Welcome to Modern Musings, conversations with the maiden, mother, and crone, looking at ourselves and the world through the lens of the 21st century. Hello and welcome back. I'm your hostess, Kristen Hessler, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Amber Garvin and Cindy Murray. Hi. Hi. If this is your first time joining us, we're glad to have you here. And if you're returning, then welcome back. And uh, this week we are talking about one of our favorite topics that we seem to drift mm-hmm. conversations. Doesn't matter what we're talking about, but oh we always, gosh, always seem to like go back to books, right? <laughs> so books or metaphysical, <laughs> right? Metaphysical like, books. Oh yeah, yeah. That too. Like how many so, times have we already talked about books today, and we're just now recording? Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so many times. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, golly, you're right. There's a Amber. stack of them no, right at, man. There's a stack of mine right at Amber's shoulder right yeah. there. Wow. <laughs> actually, like, I have like two as books you, in my backpack. As you say that, I'm thinking, like, I've actually talked to like four different people today about books. books? How weird. <laughs> you know, and I've only yeah. talked to four different people today. No. <laughs> you know? So it's kind of like, yeah, wow. Like, okay. Uh, Wow. We had a conversation over dinner about the identity of Ruby Dixon. <laughs> right. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we are talking about um, our all-time favorite book. And last week on the podcast, I joked with Amber, um, there can only be one. You have to pick one. So Ten. I'll limit you guys at the beginning you have to corral yourself to one book and then if time permits then you can expand Uh, okay and and you can (laughs) walk back and forth but you have to come up with the book okay okay i did it and i'm the most indecisive person on the planet oh no you're not so all right i have it narrowed down to a top two okay Okay. Oh, you bad. have to you have to debate them and then choose one. Okay. 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 I'm gonna silently so, debate. Then. I'll let you go first then, since you uh, probably are more decided than mom is. No, okay. I know what mine is. I already oh, knew what mine is. I know what yours is too. Uh, probably. Well, you know what you know what mine is. Guess which one am I going to talk about? I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. Oh, okay. Um, I'm thinking. Um. That your favorite book is Chuck Pelinuk, or what's that guy's name? Oh, that was one of my two. Yes, oh, I was I saying his the, name right. The Chuck Pelinuk, yeah. Okay, yes. What is it? The Poe book? No, no. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, and the one uh, Jessica Government. Wait. Oh, I didn't even think about that one. Oh, is See, that now right? you're going to mess her up now because she's going to Because my, my top two right now that I narrowed it down would be either House of Leaves or... Oh, oh God, oh, I forgot about yes. that one. That God, one is Invisible okay. Monsters by one. Chuck Palahniuk. Okay. okay. So I think I've talked about House of Leaves on the podcast before, so maybe I should talk yeah. about Invisible Monsters. Yeah, I think well, the... I don't remember talking about... I remember you mentioning House of Leaves, but House I don't think Leaves, you talked about House I of Leaves. I feel like House of Leaves needs is, to be visually described. Like, honestly, Okay, yeah, okay, I'll hard. talk about that one then. Yeah. All right. Why do you love House of Leaves? Oh, my god. And gosh. who is the author? Okay, so House of Leaves is by Mark Z. Danielewski. 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 That's, I believe, his only book. Yeah, his... No, no, no. Oh, no, no. Did he write he, another uh, book? He has the Whale Stone... The Whale Stowe Letters, which is a follow-up to House of Leaves. Oh. Which wow. I actually haven't read, given that House of Leaves is my favorite book. And this has been one of my most favorite books since, like, 2000. And when did it come out? Uh... It came out in the year 2000, and I discovered the book in, like, 2004 or 2005. That was a long time ago. Like, this mm. this book came out, what, 20? Well, that was, like, 20-ish years ago. Yeah. Years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and you're like, man, you haven't found another book in 23. Oh, no, I have plenty There's of no books. other book like this. But yeah, but there are, there's no, I have never seen another book like this. May And I consider myself to be pretty well read. Mm-hmm. But um, other than like, just like the way the book is written, but like how it's written as okay, well. Okay, you're going to have to. 
be more elaborate than that because <laughs> that's why it's it's hard to describe with words yeah. without actually like pointing. Yeah, because you have to book. look in the book because the book is written in many different ways. Like it's written normally, it's written backwards, uh-huh. it's written around the edges. Okay, so of this the page. is like. There's another book that kind of does things like that yeah, called no, Dahlgren. Are, uh, yeah, there are and, other books. And it was weird. But yeah. But yeah, yeah, there are other books written like this. There's even poetry written like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But um, there's that, which makes it unique. And then there's the story itself. Because it's like a story within a story within a story within a story. And and let me explain. So it is a book about a guy, just a regular guy, works in a tattoo shop, a book, and it has like his kind of side notes and side story going on. So it's a book about a guy writing a story. He's reading a, a story that a someone else story, wrote. A, a book about a guy reading a story written by a blind man. And that story is about a guy who... It's about a movie. Well, no, it's it's about a guy who made a movie about his house that was larger on the inside than it was on the outside. So the manuscript is a critique of... Yeah, yeah, it's okay. a critique. A movie. Of, it, it's a... Yeah, the, the blind man wrote a critique of the movie... And the guy, okay, uh, and the documentary filmmaker, and the and the guy who's the tattoo artist is reading, reading and writing his own critique about the blind man and oh, his writing. Okay, and so you're reading about his adventures while yeah. he's reading it. Okay, yeah, he's he's doing all of these like side things, like meeting up with women and going to work and stuff uh-huh. like that. So you're reading about his thoughts on the side, but then you're also reading about his thoughts on the blind man's book, and the blind man is telling his thoughts on the documentary film the documentary filmmaker and the documentary filmmaker is telling his thoughts on the house. Okay. So there's like a story within a story within a story. Right. Yeah. Okay. And there's footnotes for days. Yeah. Footnotes oh, wow. like the footnotes. There's footnotes within written the Written by footnotes. the blind man and footnotes <laughs> for the footnotes. And so there's, a, there's like the story and then there's this side story in the footnotes. And then there's the commentary from the main character. There's um, footnotes. The one that struck me. What is the the pirates um, place that we went to down in Galveston? What Le, pir- Jean, Jean Lafitte. 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 Yeah. I believe it's Lafitte or some other pirate. There's a footnote about pirates. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. That it, you're just like, what? Why is that? Even Why is that even relevant? But he's like alluding to something else in the footnotes. Uh huh. And there's like the footnote. Is insane because no one would ever have a footnote that goes on for multiple pages. It's almost like schizophrenic. The book, yeah, yeah, it's 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 written very schizophrenic, and uh, that's like Dahlgren was a lot like that as well. Then so there's like all of that and this whole side story, but like like on the innermost part is about this house, the House of Leaves, and it's kind of like a the book is like categorized as a horror satire. Okay. So it's a satire, like, especially from, like, the main guy's perspective, but, like, the house itself was horror because it kept coming up with these different rooms and the five-and-a-half-minute hallway that it took, like, five-and-a-half minutes to get down. Wow. And then it would they went down and down and down to where there was a great hall. And it was all like, just like the wall of the house. And the house kept mm. getting bigger and they kept getting down. Yeah, they and, sent an, a, a team of explorers yeah, and, into and, the house. Oh, wow. Okay. And not all of them made it back out. Okay. And I want to say the documentary filmmaker's brother 
got lost in the house and he didn't make it back out. So that's what makes it horror is like the house is essentially moving and reshaping and people are getting locked up in the house and not being able to escape from the house. Interesting. And and it's interesting too because – um, the story, the book itself is an allegory to the house. Mm-hmm. Am I using the right word for that? Because the book is a is bigger, is bigger on the on inside, the inside because than the there's house. so much more that it tells. And yeah. then you yeah. get lost in the book. You literally do because you go, oh, there's a footnote. You got to read the footnotes. Like, yeah, they're you incredibly have to read insane. The whole thing. So yeah. you go and read a footnote and then you go pages and pages and pages of footnotes and, and then, then you go, you oh, crap, go I got to go back to where yeah. I was and what were we talking about? And then each chapter is like or within the chapter there's all these different stories so you have to juggle like if you thought game of thrones was hard to keep up this book was challenging wow. yeah it was, it was very challenging and it took it like so good it took me like a while to read it but it was probably like a one of the most rewarding reads that i've ever read so it is still 23 years later sticking with me as one of my most favorite books still haunted by yeah it's it's very like a and so they did have a follow-up called the whale stole letters and it's a compilation of letters written by the main character whose name was johnny truant that's the guy who's telling the story that's telling the story that's telling the story and uh, it's like a letters, and she's talking about the house in these letters, and uh, which also contain footnotes. And so she's writing these letters while being institutionalized in the three attic Wellstone institution. And like I said, I have never read the book, which now I kind of want to read it. But um, it's just kind of a follow-up to House of Leaves. And off topic, the um, the writer, Mark Z. Danielski, his sister, who is the singer Poe, has uh, came out with a CD or an album dedicated to the book. Yeah, there's actually quite a few songs. Uh, oh, wow. And one that was really often played on the radio that uh, is actually like um, a man speaking. It's and him. It's yeah, him. That's her brother speaking. reading yeah. one of the scenes in the book. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it gave me chills. What is the name of the the song? It's called Hey Pretty Remix. Hey Pretty, won't you come and take a ride with me through my world? Yeah, it's 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 a. There are two versions of Hey Pretty on the album. There's just her singing, and then it's called the Hey Pretty Remix, and he's the one who's actually reading parts of the book Mm -hmm. while she's singing. So it's very like cool and haunting and the album is called haunted and uh there's a song on uh the album called haunted um and there's a song called five and a half minute hallway too yes Hmm. yes it is so the hallway is actually like the first room like it's in his closet in his bedroom the Uh family moves into this house so you're thinking like you know um i don't know like a big house like amityville horror mm-hmm. kind of like house mm-hmm. and uh they move into the house and then they discover the door in the closet and that's where the five and a half minute hallway is when you think about walking for five and a half minutes that's a long ways that's like yeah you know quarter mile ish yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's about a quarter mile most people walk about 20 minute mile now that, that so, was like the first thing that showed up in the house was would the you walk a quarter mile down a hallway Probably that you didn't know not. where it went I to. I would probably be wondering where, what the heck was going on here. Yeah. Terrifying, like, thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. Like, what does that hallway look like, you know? Right. 
Because, you know, when you go down to like I would, a hotel. I would wonder <laughs> if if I was having a hallucination. Yeah. Or and that's, that's why they hired the team because they were not about to go, uh, mm-hmm. you know, explore. Yeah. yeah. But like, uh, yeah, during the exploration, like the house moved and people went missing and then the others went crazy and started killing each other. So that's definitely where it brings the horror into right, it. Right, right. But it's nicely broken up by the other things going on. Right. Yeah, so you don't really get the feel of, hey, this is a horror novel because there's the whole side things like Johnny Truant uh-huh. and him getting I, into I'm all I'm getting a things. lot of vibes of of different things that I've read from that. Like it, it's almost like this person has read some of these other things that, you know, the – and has compiled them all into this one story. So, like, the well, bigger on the inside. I, when you said that, I immediately thought of Doctor Who, obviously, because that's what they always say about the, mm-hmm. the TARDIS, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the house, the house itself, that's bigger on the inside and and weird things. And, you know, there's um, a, a good friend of mine and Mark's, um, Jerry Stoddard, uh, wrote a couple of books. I got to remember what the name of the book is. There was an R.L. Stein book, very similar. Mm-hmm. There was also a, um, an, do you remember, I think it was to be on the Sci-Fi Channel or something, and it was like Friday the 13th, it was a TV show where these people had like a, a antique shop and all the things that were being sold in the antique shop are like cursed items so they were going back and like trying to recover the cursed items mm-hmm. and one of them was like a dollhouse that people got like sucked into so it was bigger on the inside mm-hmm. in essence and i've, I've yeah. actually had dreams because i remember seeing that as like a i remember year old and that was terrifying oh gosh i yeah i remember that show that was like now that it you was kind of hokey, I bet if you watched it now, you'd be like, "God, this is stupid." But, but yeah, that was a really creepy show. Yeah, mm-hmm. when we were kids. Okay, so um, his his name is uh, it's he published under the name John uh, James Stoddard, but he, to us he's Jerry. And the first book was called The High House, and it was this weird house. Um, the back of the book, I'll I'll read you to the back of the book. The High House, Ebenmere which lifts its gabled roofs among tall hills overlooking a country of ivy and hawthorn and blackberries, sweet but small as the end of a child's finger, has seldom been seen by ordinary men. Those who come here do so not by chance, and those who dwell here abide long within its dark halls, seldom venturing down the twisting road to the habitations of men. And it's like this weird house, and you go in and there's like, I don't know how to explain it. There's like people in there and there's things in there. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it, it's like a whole land within this house. Um, but anyway, he, the high house was the first book and the false house was um, the second book, the follow-up to that. But um, so I, I get little vibes of that from your, from your story. And um, you know, like the, I mentioned before Dahlgren uh, and I will link that I cannot remember the author's name of Dahlgren and I don't have a copy of it anymore, but it was written in that same style where you're going forward. There's a lot of weird things that aren't explained. Uh, it, it was promoted to me as a sci-fi book. It, I think it was a schizophrenic. <laughs> I really uh-huh. do. Oh, it was the craziest thing. What you're talking about. Yes. And it, and it goes forwards, but then there's like all this stuff at the back and it's going backwards and, and stuff written in the margins and all these weird things going on. Uh-huh. And it was really bizarre. Um, so it makes me think of that. And and just little... Definitely could be his inspiration. That's sure. what I'm wondering. If he was inspired by some of these different yeah, things. This and House and of Leaves kind of progressively them. gets worse. Right. It yeah. makes... It's very orderly and makes sense at the beginning. And the longer you read it, like right. the main character is starting right. to lose his sanity. And you're wondering if that's what happened to the guy who was original... The blind guy. Yeah. Or whatever. I forget right. his name. But he like disappeared or died or something. And you kind of wonder yeah, well, like what happened really to that know guy? What what happened to him yeah, yeah. they just yeah. found his and manuscripts then you're kind of thinking like i wonder is this what's happening to johnny he's like kind of 
crumbling. Maybe, yeah, maybe like the story itself is what makes the, people crazy or whatever. Yeah, reading yeah. about the house is making the house. him crazy. Yeah. Well, that that's you know, like I said, some of these things are the the like in Dahlgren, it starts out like any sci-fi book does, and you know, this guy's coming towards this town, you know, and it's just it just seems really normal, and then things just get bizarre, and um, and like I said, it. it and there's never any explanation for why things are bizarre or why things are the way they are. So, yeah, it, it sounds like a fascinating book. I don't know that I would have the patience to read it. Uh-huh. Um, I did make it through all the way through Dahlgren, and, and it was all I could do to read all of that. And I know many well, people just who, like one of who those just gave, it, gave up things, on it. Like I've only ever read it once because right. I don't think that I could make it through again. Well, I don't know yeah. if I have the patience. And that's the way Dahlgren is. It's, it's one of those books where people either love it or they hate it or they just couldn't finish it. So it's not a, you know, I, I had all these people say, this is a great book. You need to read this. And then I read it and I was like, what the heck? That's not the word I wanted to use. And, <laughs> and then my mother and my husband both started it and we're just like, no, <laughs> no. So I don't know. It's very weird. A few years later, I read another book that um, is by the author horror author well I don't know if they're really horror author like action author Frank Peretti and Ted Decker and uh it was called House and it's not exactly like House of Leaves but like the tagline for it was the only way out is in and so it was like a very similar house but more of like a spiritual house Mm. that the occupants had to like um overcome all of these trials and tribulations of themselves facing their demons yeah to be able to exit the house interesting and i always felt like that those two books were i mean i know they weren't related but they were very relatable because it like uh there were like a one of course was a physical house that they were trying to escape and the other was more of like a mental house but they were both very like horror novels about a mm-hmm. house mm-hmm. so definitely if you've never read house by frank peretti and ted decker that's a pretty cool book to read interesting all right so what's your second favorite book my se- oh she was gonna lead us to one yeah, I'm just mm-hmm. gonna let you do two. Why, why are you? Why are no, you? no, no, no. I'm I'm gonna let you debate the other one because I'm pretty sure the House of Leaves is your favorite. But you yeah. mentioned the other one was the uh, the other one that I had mentioned was like you said a Chuck Palahniuk book because mm-hmm. I do love Chuck Palahniuk. My other favorite book is called Invisible Monsters by Chuck Palahniuk, and uh, it's basically um, kind of like I was talking about that house is like a it's about inner inner demons or invisible monsters per se it's about a former fashion model who has everything boyfriend cars money and then a freeway accident leaves her disfigured and incapable of speech so she goes from being the beautiful center of attention to an invisible monster and she meets up with another character a transgender woman who is searching also for their identity. And they both go out into the world to find a new start together. And so the novel is basically their journey, trying to figure out their place in the world, a transgender woman and a disfigured model. Interesting, Hmm. interesting. Two very different books. Very, very yeah, different. Two yeah, two very different books. Okay. Cindy. So mine, um, you know, I <laughs> you you mentioned that yours your favorite books are two that you've only read once. And <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like mom's read hers like twenty times. Oh, probably so. Well, I mean, I have other books that are my favorites that I've read a million times. So that's what I'm going for is my, you know, my, my most favorite book. The one I, I've, I've often been asked if I could, well, actually I could, I could actually say two books too. If I could only take one book with me. Um, 
it would probably be this one if I was on a deserted island. Which book would I read over and over and over again? Um, and I've answered this one before, but I think actually I would say the other one. But this one is my favorite story, um, always and forever. And it is James Clavell's Shogun. And Kristen's like speaking the words as I say it. And um, I you remember. You mentioned this before. I have. <laughs> I absolutely have. Um, because I was talking about um, the um, the sailor that it was actually uh, written about. Oh, sort of. Greatest yes. Love Story. Yeah, well, it, we it talked about it on the greatest story. love story, and we also, I think, and we also talked about it. Um, uh, and I'm, I got my brain, um, my brain just went dead when I was thinking of his name. Um, but it was based on a true story, at least in part, of the first English um, sailor uh, who came to the Japan's in. 1600 or late 1500s um and they had uh somehow they had acquired this was a time period when um the spanish and the portuguese were allied and they had dominated um eastern you know asia so that they had found their way um around cape horn and um the Spanish and the Portuguese had found their way um, into China and Asia, and they were trading there heavily. And this is before the British had had made it to the east. And so the the British teamed up with the Dutch to to, and they gotten a hold of some pilots' records of how to um, get through. I, I believe it's Magellan's Pass. And, um, and they got through and found their way shipwrecked in Japan. And this is during the time of the shogunates and, um, the, this English sailor winds and trader, uh, winds up becoming a close ally of the shogun and, uh, a special advisor and was the, only um british person you know to gain his trust and he he spent years he was never allowed to go back home but um he he wound up getting married and having a family but the the story is based on samurai william but his the the shogun story is actually fictionalized in a lot of ways but it but it really is loosely based on his story his real story and i will link both of those in in the uh, heard it on the podcast they're both really fascinating reads uh one is a an actual uh biographical there's a biographical story that that talks about the actual guy and then the the one that i love is the fictionalized version and i fell in love with this story when I was probably junior high or high school, I can't remember what year it came out. They made a uh, made-for-television miniseries that aired um, on pub, you know public TV, and I think it was like four nights long. It was really long, and it was really good. It had um, Richard Chamberlain playing the 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 character Anjan-san, who was the pilot of the of the Dutch ship and he basically they they crash land they're rescued by the Japanese he becomes a trusted um advisor to the shogun he falls in love with a highborn lady Japanese lady of course and um and it's kind of their tragic uh beautiful but tragic love story and and the tragedy of his life living the rest of his life in Japan and and it's just a, a the culture of Japan has always fascinated me and but it it's more than just this love story it's the politics of trading with a foreign nation that whose culture is so different from ours and so different from um the English 
culture, you know. So, and there's all these um, religious kind of things going on with it too, because the, a lot of the exploration was funded by the church. And, you know, so they, they were trying to, you know, convert the whole world. And the, so the Catholics are all, you know, in Japan trying to convert all of the citizens and they hate the English because the English um, left the the Catholic Church and and became Anglican, and so there's lots of lots of politics and church and things like that there. And it's just a really fascinating period piece. And it and like I said, it's one of my actual favorite books. I've read it over and over and over again, and and I just can't get tired of it. And I, there are other books that I love the same way, but that one probably is my absolute favorite. Can I admit something? What? I have never fully read a book page to page, beginning to end, a second time. Really? Now, I've read Anne Frank, but I never finished it. Like, I would just, right. like, open it and just read... Little bits and pieces. Little bits. And same thing with To Kill a Mockingbird and The Odyssey because we read that in school too. Uh I'm trying to think if there's anything I've I've read to read. Oh, and Outsiders. We were supposed to read that in school and I was a bad kid and didn't read it with all the rest of the students. So when I read it, like for real, for real, (laughs) (laughs) the the first time I read it the whole way through, that was, I guess, the second time reading it, but it was only first full through. Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, The Giver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I read that one, but I don't. I didn't actually like read it the first time. I think my teacher was reading it to us, oh, yeah. so it didn't count. I have read so many I have stories. I've never over, read. Well, like I've l- been all the Little to. House on the Prairie books, I read over and over again mm-hmm. when I was young, mm-hmm. and then I read them again to you, and I read them again to Stephen. So I read those over mm-hmm. and over again as well. Those are favorites say... too, but I think I would need them all as a collection, just like yes. Harry Potter. Yeah. I yes. couldn't give I, like you couldn't just do one, one Harry yeah. Potter book. Yeah. Well, and there's and there's um, a lot of of other books that I love in that same way that I I would be the same like. Anne Rice novels, um, Larry Niven's science fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, I would want the whole known universe, you know. Yeah. And um, and there and there's, in a way, the the Shogun is also that way. The I I believe that Shogun was his first book. I'm not positive, but um, uh, he has other books like he has um, Guy Jin and um noble house and i'm trying a whirlwind but they're all related to each other in um in that it's a continuation of like a family there's like some family Mm, connections mm -hmm. that tie all the books together they're not always about the same people but there's always some tie-in uh, kind of in the same way that um, Stephen, Stephen King. King. Stephen, yeah. Okay, King sorry, thank you. Stephen, Stephen King, uh, his his stuff all fi- ties in like that, and and so uh, you know sometimes it's a continuation of a story, but a lot of times there's just like this little cameo, blip, of, a cameo yeah. appearance of another character or That's something like that. What I love about like if I that when authors like tie in their books together, like yeah. I'll read something by an author and then a character gets mentioned and I just kind of like look at the other books and I'm like, Hey, there's that character. I've got to read that book. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. That's why I love that Ruby book. Dixon. Like even her other like storylines kind they, of they connect all tie together. In. Yeah. And there, like I said, there's, there's lots of, um, there's lots of my, I have lots of favorite authors. There's, um, um, the Thornbirds was a, a favorite book and it's one of those tragic love story things. Also, also a made for TV miniseries with Richard Chamberlain. I think I have a crush on Richard Chamberlain, but too bad he's gay. So he doesn't like me. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) wow. Okay. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of books now as actually, as I was saying that there's only that that is the book that I would take with me on that deserted Island. If I could only have one book, I've actually decided, I think 
um, because I was looking over here at this stack of books that next to Amber and among that is several different versions of the Bible. And that is another book that I have read over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and I, I think that is the one I would take with me just to read over and over again, because I think I, there's so much that you don't understand in it when you read it that I think until it comes to part of that time in your life when right right and so you just have to read it and read it and read it and until it becomes you know till it makes sense or whatever but um but there's there's I read a lot of books over and over again not so much nowadays but when I was younger I often did read if it was a favorite book I would read it many times over I did that a lot when I was younger as well like I have some books that I read in high school mm -hmm. that I will still go back and reread again. Mm -hmm. I haven't lately, but I remember like if they come out with like a new edition, I would go right. and buy the new edition. Right. Like a, for like a example, like the lady that wrote the vampire diaries, she wrote a series called the secret circle. And I've read that one over and over. I've read the Vampire Diaries books yeah. over and over as well. Ooh, is the Secret Circle about Bonnie and the witches and stuff? or? Um, it's about witches, but a different set of witches. Mm -hmm. They're not related. Cool. But, yeah. Um, yeah, like a same universe maybe, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. like a, there no characters are mentioned cross. But, yeah, that'd be it. You liked Vampire Diaries, so you'd probably mm -hmm. like that. I I uh I reread. I'm trying to think. I've reread Anne Frank several times. Mm -hmm. Um, I mentioned the Little House books and and some of those. Um, The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings, um, Larry Niven books. There's several of those that I've read and reread, as particularly if it's one that. Um, a sequel comes out many years after I've read um, the original. So like Ringworld, I read Ringworld way, you know, 30 years ago or more. And then, you know, maybe 10 or 15 or 20 years later, a sequel comes out. Well, I, you know, I got to go read the I got to go read the first one so I can remember before I read the mm -hmm. second one and things like that. <laughs> Um, I've and then, done that before yeah. with a series. Like, oh, yeah. uh, if I haven't read it in a while, like there's a series by Lindsay Sands about, um, it's a romance novel series about vampires. Uh -huh. And uh, like uh, I hadn't read any of her books in a while. So I was like 10 books behind. So I went back to the very beginning and I reread all of the books and then read those 10 mm -hmm. books. Interesting. Yeah, this is a series with yeah. like probably about fifty books in it. Wow. Yeah. Well, maybe lot, not yeah. that many. Maybe like twenty something. Kind of like the Ruby Dixon books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I have like I say, there's several, several books I've read a lot of, and there's, and there's several books that I probably would go back and read again, and that come close to being my, um favorite books but i'll come back to those later when we have time uh so my favorite book ruby dixon no no uh, that's my favorite that's Barbarian. probably one of my favorite authors just because she writes a Her lot current obsession and it's yes. my current obsession she writes a lot and and there's a whole world i like the whole world creating thing um no i mean uh, it's funny you're gonna laugh when I tell you what my favorite book is because it's pretty obvious. It's Never Ending Story. Oh, derp! Yes, <laughs> uh, it's like my favorite movie, tattoo. which again is right? a story within a story. It is so. Yeah, like a... Um, the movie does not do the book justice. Um, so if you've seen the movie and you think you know it all, you have no clue because it's only like the first third of the book is like the movie. Um. So, The NeverEnding Story was written by Michael End. Um, it, he's a German author. It was published in 1979, but it was translated into English in 1983. And it's 
been translated into like every language it's up there in like the books uh being printed and um being world read i guess mm. you could say um the main character bastion um is like running away from bullies like you see in the movie and then he sneaks into coriander's the book shop and um he's enthralled by the book the never-ending story and so he steals it and he runs to school and he's in the attic reading it just like in the movie and um you know in the book the story he's reading about the childlike empress and she's you know calls on atreyu to save him and as sebastian's reading the story and it's getting you know deeper into the book he's starting to realize like he feels like he's a part of the story and but he's really skeptical about it he's just kind of like keeping it to himself you know the thought and it, it gets to the part where atreyu goes to save the empress and um she says well you've brought the savior here and you know you're thinking oh yeah it's atreyu he's the one all along you know the warrior that was supposed to be saving her and um She's like, no, he's here. He just needs to say that he's here. And, you know, Bastion's like, what? I don't believe this. And so she gets, uh, this is the part that's not in the movie. They just kind of, like, gloss over this. Um, she actually gets this man to pull out a book and start reading from it. And the man is reading the story. And he's, like, Bastion is reading himself in the book, like, he's reading about himself reading the book in oh, the attic. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... So another, yeah. Yes, it <laughs> mm -hmm. is, in a sense. It is like that story within a story. I've always loved that, and I love stories where characters get, like, sucked into another world. That's why I love Ruby Dixon's mm -hmm. stories, because they're the character yeah, gets those are taken the to a whole other world. Mm -hmm. uh, Wizard of Oz is a great example of that you know um which is a book that i love too where the that i love the movie and the book equally but separately because they're, they're very nothing different. related yeah. <laughs> except for the title you know but you know it's like that person getting uh you know sucked into this whole other world well mm -hmm. i like uh, and, wizard of oz stories mm -hmm. not just you know like books that have that same take on right. wizard of oz mm -hmm. um so the rest of the story is actually Bastion building the new world. Because if you remember in the movie, there was nothing left. Uh, the nothing right. took and over yes. and it was all darkness. And all that was left was that little seed. Right. And um, so the whole rest of the book is Bastion um, recreating the world. And he's going through like i don't know like he's like almost like having like this um rebirth and he's it's like he's doing shadow work in fast pace like he's having this awakening because he's learning about who he is and like shedding uh -huh. the old negative things about him because he has all these wishes and if you think about it, if you give a 10-year-old wishes, what are they going to wish for? You know, it could go horribly wrong in so many ways. Right. And so that's kind of like what the rest of the story is about him learning how to make better choices with his wishes. And um, I, I really like this story. I was actually just thinking about, like, when you were talking about <laughs> rereading Shogun a bunch of times. And I haven't read that book in, like, 20 years I'd like to go back and read it. I would say probably that book gave me the inspiration and the joy to read other books because mm -hmm. I had yet to find a book that I wanted to read all the way through. I would give up quickly on on books and because that one was easy to read in a sense, it was um, a fantasy, it was exciting, it mm -hmm. was moving like there were places where I cried you know and there are places where I laughed and um and it was beautiful and well described so I felt like that book I could dedicate all of the other books that I've read and had the ability to read and enjoy 
to that book because oh. that book literally is my never ending story because because I read that book and finished it and enjoyed it, I now read lots of Other books. books yeah. yeah. I I like that. Um and Very I nice. think that's I think that's true of of all books, you know, and and like I said, when I was, you know, probably ten and eleven years old, you know, I discovered those those little House of the Prairie books and I was so enthralled by the that story, mm -hmm. the story of her life, of Laura Ingalls Wilder's life. And it just it drew me in and I read them over and over and over. And I think that that was what inspired me to read, just finding this very relatable little girl, mm -hmm. um, even though she was from a different time period, you know, separated by a hundred years from my life. And, but it, it was just so relatable that she had the same kind of feelings and jealousies and impulses that, that I had, mm -hmm. you know, so it, it, um, it was, it was really good. I liked, I really liked that. So you're talking about the story within a story and Amber talked about a story within a story. And I thought of another story within a story that was a difficult, challenging read, but, um, but also stories within stories, within stories, within stories. And that was the 1001 Arabian Nights. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I read that um, book translated into English, of course, and um, and it, it is done much the same way, um, a story within a story within a story within a story. And just fascinating um, that the complexity of writing something like that, um, that it draws you in. And in the same way, it like in 1001 Arabian Nights, there's a purpose to it. So it's Scheherazade telling the stories to the prince so that he won't... Life preservation. Yeah, right. it yeah. is. Yeah. So she has to keep the stories within the stories within the stories to keep him enthralled so that he wants to hear the next story. And, you know, and so the story really is never completed until he's fallen in love with her and, you know, allows her to live. So, you know, it's, it, it's a, it's a fascinating mechanism. Um, and Amber can tell me what, uh, a literary device. Thank you. Thank you for telling me that with mental yeah, I, I, clarity. Yeah. <laughs> she, she brainwaved that to me. Um, and, and, and it really is, it's, it's very effective and I, it's, it's kind of cool. So, yeah, I, if we think about like the story of the house itself and house of leaves, yeah, it would be a good horror story. Yeah. Or if we think about the story of the guy reading a book and going a little cuckoo, probably a good story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but when you combine them all together, mm -hmm. it's like, it, it just kind of sucks you in and mm -hmm. yeah. Same yeah. thing, Game of Thrones. I mean, if they just oh, wrote yeah. a book about Arya Stark, it would be a good story. But, but because all the stories are, all uh, the characters intermittent, all the characters are in little bits and pieces, mm -hmm. and yeah. um, long drawn, long out. drawn out, and like surprisingly, you know, your favorite characters get killed off, and you know, things like that. It's, or the favorite characters are the ones you love to hate. And yeah. 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 You wouldn't get the pleasure of loving and hating Jamie Lannister in Arya Stark's story. Right. No, right. you wouldn't. Yeah. Ever see it from. From that point of view. Point of view. Yeah. It would just be mm -hmm. her point of view of, I hate this guy who threw my little brother out the window. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I do love stories like that with multiple point of views mm -hmm. I like do an too. omniscient narrator yes. of different characters so you can see i mean i do like first person narratives as well but not as much as multiple point of views because mm -hmm. then you can see life from other characters perspectives just not um the main character's perspective per se I think that's the one thing that, like, B. 
because one of my favorite TV shows has always been True Blood, and it's based on a book series, and the book series is from Sookie Stackhouse's perspective, and I think that she's the most boring character in the world. You know what I mean? That's like Charlene a, Harris, right? Yeah, Charlene Harris. And uh, what I love about the TV series is like the other characters involved. And the book series is very limited to Sookie Stackhouse. And I'm just like, okay, boring after book one. Mm. Mm, and see, I haven't read any of those yet. But Vampire Diaries is the same way. Oh, oh, for certain. Yeah, the books are written from Elena's perspective. Mm -hmm. And that is one awesome thing about the TV show is that it Damon. brings in... Yeah, Damon especially. Damon. All Damon. Well, that, that was perfectly <laughs> cast, by the way. I love that actor. But yeah. um, In Summerholder. Yeah, yeah it, it brings in all of the other characters' perspectives because in reality, uh, Elena and Stefan are kind of boring they and really then there, were. Yeah, <laughs> and then there's all the there's all these other characters' stories that it brings in, and so it's very, it's very limited, just like the True Blood series, because you've got Lafayette and you've got um, Eric, oh, Skarsgård, played by Skarsgård, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So like you've all got all these fun characters. But um, in the books, you don't get to see the fun characters because Sookie Stackhouse is just very, uh, I just like this one guy, <laughs> you know. Mm. Same with Vampire Diaries, of course. Yeah. I, have, I have not read either either of those series. So, um, But you, you talk about seeing things from different... Um, different perspectives books that are written from different characters perspectives mm -hmm. one of my other favorites is um the poisonwood bible by barbara kingsolver and it's written in the perspective of uh i want to say it's three sisters it's been a while since i read it it could be two sisters and the mother um the it's a family whose father uh, is desperate to become a missionary to the Congo. And he just, you know, they reject him for probably some very good reasons, but he, he just keeps working until he finds a way to go to the Congo as a missionary. And he drags his family over there. And it's kind of, in a lot of ways, it's about his perspective of how he was going to bring civilization to the heathen natives you know and uh civilize them and but also so you're it's rolling kind of, your eyes the whole time you're yes you're rolling it. your yeah. eyes at it but it, and um and the and like i said the the book is written from the perspective of these sisters and uh you know one of them's a, probably a little more enlightened than the than the others but she winds up um you know, growing up and staying there and, and it's, I, I their, their voice, you know, to be able to write in the voice of another character, um, George R. R. Martin did an excellent right. job to of go that. from Eddard to Arya, to Arya Stark and then Sansa and Sansa yeah. who's completely different. Yes. And, and so it, this is the same way. He has it's multiple like, personalities. You, yeah, probably so. <laughs> but yeah, to have that old man write a young child girl's perspective. Yes, yeah. it, it's very different. And the, and this is is done that way. And and it was really enlightening to me in a uh, an a, a awakening. Um, you know, becoming more woke. I guess perspective because. We often, you know, think, oh, well, we're the superior culture because we can do this and we can do that. And we, you know, these missionaries go there and we're going to teach you how to farm so you won't be starving anymore, you know. And I mean, this is literally what this father is, you know, saying. And and the the realization that 
the farming doesn't that he knows doesn't work there that's why they can't do what they're doing you know and it, it was just very you know what makes us better than them because we have telephones and technology what why is that better than what they have but because of our interference their lives are worse and so it was very interesting isn't um doesn't the book flyboys also have other story within the story like he talks about columbus yeah oh um because it's about World War II. It, I don't remember and... if it had anything about Columbus, but it does. Uh, it does talk about Teddy Roosevelt's um, treatment of Japan. You know, Japan uh, was coming up into uh, its own power. You know, and they wanted to be part of the Western world, and basically, the Western world snubbed them as uncultured, uncivilized because. In some ways, they were still living that feudal Japan mentality. And um, and it was some of our treatment of them is what eventually drew them into World War II, into attacking us, you know. And um, and so that's, that's very, very interesting. That was also a very, very good book. So, so Amber, what, what do they call it when you... Is there a, a literary device that they, you know, that, that it's named when they put a story within a story like that or? Well, um, it's uh, typically called, like there are a couple of names for it. It could be called an embeddedive, an, an embedded, an embedded narrative. Okay. Or a frame story. Okay. Okay. So, because uh, you're framing the different uh -huh. stories within the story. Um, one of the most famous stories within the story, and I talk about this novel a lot, Frankenstein. Oh, is, uh, yeah. Yeah, is one of the more famous stories within a story because it starts out with Walton telling the story of Frankenstein, who is telling the story of his monster. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's, uh, you know, I was trying to think, there's another nonfiction that I've read not that long ago, and I keep trying to find it. If I remember what it is, I will put it on the blog. I, I When we were talking about it a minute ago, it, it came to my mind, but I wanted to finish what I was saying, and then by the time I got to the end of my story, I forgot it. So, um, but yeah, there's, um, I, I like stories like that. They're, they're very interesting. Yeah. I can't think of any other ones off the top of my head right. like that. Another book that I really liked, um, this one is a favorite. It's not, obviously not my all time favorite, but a very, very good book. Uh, Girl Interrupted. Mm. Okay. I really like that a, one. And a nonfiction book. Mm -hmm. And that one is uh, vignettes. So it's yeah, just little um, pieces out little of littles. time. They're not yeah. in order or anything like that. So um, there are each chapter is just one little story that kind of stands alone, but they all go together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely one of my favorite nonfiction books as well. Also a Girl movie. The me. book is way better than the movie. Oh, the, <laughs> movie the movie <laughs> is so good, though. Yeah, it is. But uh, that that was one of my favorite. I think I read that one in like a day. I just sucked it up. It was so good. Very moving story. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess uh, one of my favorites that's like uh, along the... Uh, Nonfiction mental illness line would be, and I believe I've talked about this one before too. An unquiet mind, yes, by you Kay have. Redfield Jameson. Yeah. Uh, I want to say, uh, yeah, about her struggles with bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. Definitely in my top books as well. I, you know, I have a a, a lot of books. I I was just sitting here kind of making some notes. And, and thinking, wow, I'm, I mention a lot of these books frequently, 
So, um, like The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned that one quite frequently. Uh, I'm pretty sure I mentioned The Poisonwood Bible. Yeah, before you have. Too. Yeah. Um, Goodbye to a River. Another one that I have mentioned. Um, um, the Far Pavilions. I think I've mentioned that mm-hmm. one as well. So, um, Atlas Shrugged. Another oh, another Anne big Rand. favorite. Yes. Um, I it's it's kind of interesting because my books are really all over the place. They're not even, um, well, and one that we read last year, a new earth one of my favorite books because it was so, um, enlightening for lack of a better word. I mean, that's very, well, I mean, you don't want to read the same thing all the time. I mean, that's no. boring. Oh, that's true, like, true, it's, true. It's so great having favorite books in every in, genre, honestly. Right. Yeah, because you never know what what you feel like reading, you know. Right, right. Sometimes you feel like something light. and Like Amber calls them a snack. A snack, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Like yeah, a, I do read snacks every once in a while, too, because I just need something yeah, I have like a, well, Kristen has her Ruby Dixon. There is a. Yeah, I read a, one today before I came here. <laughs> There's the whole a book. romance I read the whole novel, book. <laughs> like an, a, a Kindle romance novelist uh-huh. that I like name. Her name's Kelsey Stetling. And she writes these uh, cute, like a uh, nerdy girls get the hot guy. Oh, type yeah. Novels. Yeah. And uh, I think I've read every single one of hers, and uh, now she's coming out. She's taking way too long to come out with the next one. Mm. Like she's the reason why. That's the worst. Yeah, like, paying come on, Ruby for Dixon, Kindle Unlimited. You can write more than one book in a month. No, right? <laughs> she's like write got them like all, them all out, these book out. series, and I'm like, hurry up. <laughs> The same way people felt about George R. R. Martin and uh, right, Book Seven, right. you know. I know once you've read like all of your favorite author, the, then it the takes books forever. That never happened. It's like um, one of my favorite authors, uh, the woman that wrote Vampire Diaries and Secret Circle, L. J. Smith. She wrote another series called the Night World series, and I believe it was like seven books, and she was coming out with the eighth book. And something happened, like she got sick or something happened. And this was at the, like, 1999, I think. She was about to publish this eighth book. They had the cover for it and everything. And it never got published. Oh, wow. And so kids my age are still sitting around. Yeah. 23 oh, man. years and later, I've been like collecting for her to cub- publish oh, that are book. Are you kidding? I've been collecting them, just waiting because I wanted to read them all at oh, once. Oh, no. That's she... like waiting on George R.R. R. Martin. I know, right? I... 23, <laughs> 24 years, and she has not published that book. And uh, supposedly it's written, but <laughs> she uh, hasn't published it. What? Interesting. Dang. Yeah. Don't know what happened. She never said what happened. It, um, that book just never came out. And, hmm. like, fans of hers, diehard fans of hers, you know, middle school favorite books, waiting on that book to still come out. Ugh. That's why we'll be There's waiting a for meme. Game of Thrones. There's <laughs> a meme out there somewhere, I think, that has to do with her <laughs> and her books. Like, uh, we're still waiting on that book to come out. Yeah, she's just sitting on it. Maybe she's afraid that people won't like it. Maybe. No telling. Maybe yeah. so. I mean, that's yeah. what I wondered about Game of Thrones. Like, If he, he was under so much pressure to come up with something so, so fabulous yeah. to end that story. You really have that, to. Yeah. You well, can't just like let that Susan peter Collins out. and the Hunger Games prequel. Right, mm-hmm. right. Like, she was under such pressure to come out with that. But it was a really good book really well written. I have not read that one yet either. It's, it's a great book. They're probably going to butcher the movie. Well, probably. They always do. Um, yeah, I... Yeah. I think so. I think that's probably what happened. 
Well, we would love to hear what y'all's favorite books are. I told you we couldn't just give you one. We would have to just we talk and we talk and talk. I about told you books. which one my favorite <laughs> we one was. We could probably still sit here and go through. I'm just looking at my list of books that I've read. Oh, me too. I was looking I've at my read, list. And I'm like, oh, man, I didn't even touch on some of these. Like, there's one that I'm not even going to mention. Maybe I'll mention it on the blog or something. But, um, yeah, I mean, we could probably keep on going and going and going. So we would love to hear from our listeners and our readers as well. If you also read our blogs, um, you know, let us know what your all-time favorite book is. Have yes. you read any of the ones that we mentioned? Do any of them sound interesting to you? I know that the Heard It on the Podcast is probably going to be full of <laughs> There's going to be a lot of books on there. So, so. <laughs> check it out. Um, we probably just gave you about 50 different books to read. If you yeah. were looking for something good to read, uh, there you go. <laughs> so definitely, um, definitely. what are we talking about next week? Next week, we are talking about guilty pleasures oh god well we just kind of we just kind of did that yeah um <laughs> but but this one will be more uh, you of know all the other things uh, all the other things yeah and the maybe and maybe things. some books too i don't know oh yeah uh, <laughs> more ruby dixon coming up next week <laughs> <laughs> um so that, yeah that's what we're going to talk about what are your guilty pleasures what are our guilty pleasures and um i think that's going to be a lot of fun great looking forward to it because I know we have a lot of those. So, <laughs> well, we would like to thank, of course, our loyal listeners. Uh, thank you so much for coming back every time and listening to us gab and gab and gab about this or that. And, um, you know, also want to thank uh, Creative Audio Tech and uh, Cake Mix Studios for the recording equipment and our fabulous music. And... Um, you know, if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a good rating and share our feed with your friends. Um, we're seeing more and more uh, listeners from around the world. So all of you out there in Canada and Europe. Uh, we saw some <laughs> listeners in Spain just want to say, hey, thanks so much for listening. And, and uh, you know, let us know where you're from. That's yeah. really cool um, that we're getting out there and on the World Wide Web to all of you. And um, we look forward to talking to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.